We interrupt your broadcast to bring you an episode from the Stephen or Else Network of Truly Epic Podcast. Find more shows at StephenOrElse.com. So I have two comic book goals for 2023. One, read more Superman comics. And two, read more Tom King comics. Well, little did I know that I would be able to do both of those with just one six-issue miniseries. Except, I mean, I did know because, you know, I read it. It's kind of the point of this episode, actually. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! Oh, uh, <clears throat> I guess that would be me. My name is Steven. There he is! I apologize for that, but I think you'll find this a bit more interesting. Welcome to an all new episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that never does what it says it's going to do. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And this week I wanted to take a short break from the madman stuff that we've been doing because I want to talk about some other stuff just this once. Okay. (laughs) Is that all right? Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to come off all defensive. It's just been that kind of week. You know what I'm saying? So, primarily, What I want to do here is answer the question that I posed in the title of this episode. Did I recently read the perfect Superman story? And I'm going to answer that, just not right now. We'll get to it here in a bit. And then after that, I just have a couple more things to talk about. Made a little list. I checked it twice. Not sure where I'm going with that, but let's talk about the comic book. It's called Superman Up in the Sky. It was a six issue limited series that reprinted original stories written by Tom King for the Walmart exclusive title, Superman Giant. Now, Superman Giant was one of four Walmart exclusive DC series stories, books, big giant comics, and they came out, or at least they started in 2018, and each issue featured one original story, or at least a part of an original story that was serialized throughout the giant issues. And then the rest of the issue contained reprint stories. Now, the first issue of Superman Up in the Sky has two stories in it. Well, see how I can explain this without sounding stupid. I know it's going to be hard, but basically what they did is they took, um, well, what it sounds like they did, they took the They took 12 issues of the Superman giant, and in each one of those issues, they took the original story that was in there, and then they took two stories at a time and reprinted it in a single issue of a regular comic. Did that make sense? So, for example, 
Superman Giant issue number three is where the Superman up in the sky storyline started. So part one is in Superman Giant issue number three, and it's called Alice. Then in Superman Giant issue number four, you get the second part of the storyline, and it's titled Just Luck. So it's a 12-part storyline that's told 12 pages at a time. And then they took those first two parts, Alice and Just Luck, and they reprinted them in one standard issue comic book uh, called Superman Up in the Sky, issue number one. Now, these were all written by Tom King, penciled by Andy Kubert. The inks were by Sandra Hope, letters by Clayton Cowles, and then the colorist was Brad Anderson. So the main gist of this story, the overarching arc, I guess you could say, is that uh, a little girl named Alice was kidnapped from Earth and taken, as her friend said, up in the sky. So this happened in Gotham. There was a home invasion. An older couple in the house was murdered. They had four foster children, all four girls, ages five to 10. Two of the girls are dead. One's missing and one was found. She was shot, but she's alive and she's at a hospital in Gotham. So Superman, as the, the story opens, he's fighting a giant robot, which, you know, if, if you know anything about me, if you've ever heard me talk about what Superman needs to be doing in a Superman movie. He needs to be fighting giant robots. I've been saying it for years and years and years. No one has done it. We'll see if James Gunn steps up to the plate and has Superman fighting giant robots. But here we go. Issue one, page one, splash page, Superman fighting a giant robot. And I guess I should have kind of known just from that first page that this story is going to be something special. But Superman's fighting the robot and he hears, however far away Gotham is from Metropolis, he hears Batman say, Clark, I need you. And so Clark goes to Gotham and Batman tells him about the home invasion and the murders. And Superman's wondering why he's telling him all this. It's sad. It's tragic. And Batman swings away. And as he's swinging away, he says, the girl in the hospital, talk to her. And so Superman goes to see the little girl in the hospital and she tells her story about what happened. She tells Superman that they were playing with superhero toys in the basement and that one of the toys is a, a Superman toy and it belongs to her, the little girl in the hospital. But her friend Alice always takes it from her because Superman is her favorite, Alice's favorite. Well, bad things happen in the house above them. They hear screams. They run out of the basement from kind of a, a back door, an outside door that goes, you know, from to the outside from the basement, and they hide in some bushes. And then suddenly there something comes along, uh, something in a spaceman suit, and they take Alice away. And Alice still had this little girl's toy with her, the Superman toy. And so Superman asks her, where did the man in the spacesuit take her? And she points up and says, up in the sky. And so Superman kind of has a crisis of conscience at this point because deep down he feels like he should go off into space and find this little girl, Alice. And they spend a little time where he's talking to Green Lantern, for example, to see if he has any, any information. And, and uh, in the end, he decides to go. He even at one point talks to his dad, of course, 
And it's it's a really good scene because they're just they're they're over at the Kent farm and they're they're standing at a fence looking out into their to the field and I love Jonathan in this scene. It's it's just one page and well, I'm going to have to read part of it to you. So Clark is talking to his dad and he's saying there's nothing to be done. They need me here, pa. And Jonathan says, yeah, I suppose they do. And Clark says, who knows what's coming our way? Everything could fall tomorrow and the next day and the next. I have to hold it up. I can't just go flying off after one little girl. Jonathan just says, no, I suppose you can't. Clark says, and with the whole corps looking for her, they'll do more than I can do. They'll find her. Jonathan responds, yeah, I suppose they will. Unless they don't, that is. And then, well, that little girl just won't be found. She'll end up there all alone, hurt, maybe scared, waiting and waiting, hoping, you know, little kids always got hope. That's the lesson you gave me, son. You had every problem, but you always had hope. And she'll have it too. No matter how lost she is, she'll be thinking, it's all right, someone will save me. And again, love Jonathan in this scene because he just, he just knows the right thing to say to Clark, to get Clark to to do what Jonathan and Clark both know needs to be done. And then Clark still hasn't quite decided yet. He hasn't left. He is saving a, a train somewhere from derailment on a, on a big bridge. And he hears from Bruce that the little girl in the hospital, she, uh, she passed away. And that kind of makes up Clark's mind. He has a, a long talk with Lois and uh, heads out into space. And the rest of the story is, in essence, him kind of investigating and trying to find Alice and, and, and bring her back home. But the great thing about this is it's not really told in any type of linear fashion. So the first issue starts out that way. He learns about Alice being kidnapped and taken into space by an alien. He checks with Hal Jordan of the Green Lantern Corps. They don't really have a lot of information, but they know that a Zeta Beam was involved, which is something that Adam Strange uses. He, he goes back and forth between Earth and the planet Ran. It's a Ranian technology. And so the first place that Superman goes is to Ran to talk to them about this Zeta beam and you find out that it's a, a hijacked one. You know, it's not an official Zeta beam and Superman is, is able to get some information about where it may have originated from or went to and, and, and then he's off. And then the rest of the series, well, let me just, let me kind of go through each subsequent issue. And so issue number two has the stories fight and alone. Fight is literally a boxing match between Superman and some kind of alien mercenary who looks human. His name is Mito, <laughs> the mightiest mercenary, the scourge of galaxies. And I've never heard of this guy before. I don't know if he's an existing DC character or if, or if he is a, a, a creation of Tom King. But Mito knows a little something about the kidnapping of Alice. But he's not just going to give it up to Clark. He challenges him to a, a boxing match. And Mito is, is uh, super powered, just like Superman is. And they get into an actual boxing ring. There uh, is a crowd there. There are you know, people to watch. They're both wearing boxing gloves. 
And the rule is basically that except for their super strength and super durability, they are not to use any other superpowers. Superman can't fly. He can't use his super speed. He can't use his heat vision. None of that. And then they just box. And the story gets to what is kind of what I feel is the central theme of this story. And that's Superman will never give up. He's always going to defy the odds, regardless of what is stacked against him. Granted, Superman is this super powerful character or superhero on Earth. Nobody on Earth is more powerful than he is. But even when he's faced with a foe that should be able to take him out, he doesn't give up. And that's what happens in this boxing match. And in fact, Maito even tells him as they're fighting, he says, look, since all you can use is your strength, you can't use your super speed or, or heat vision or any of that stuff, I am going to beat you. It's a foregone conclusion. I'm going to wear you out and I'm going to beat you. So you might as well go ahead and just fall now and avoid all of the pain that is going to be coming your way. Superman ignores them and they just keep fighting round after round. By round six, Superman is. I mean, he looks like Rocky at the end of the first Rocky movie. He is just swollen and bloody, and one of his eyes is is practically swollen shut. But again, he's not giving up, and this guy keeps knocking him down. Round seven, round eight, round nine. And there's a moment just before round 10 where he, you know, Superman has these two alien creature dudes in his corner that's, you know, they're his corner men. And as he's sitting there in the corner just before, Round 10, and he's, he's just looking horrible. Blood and sweat is just dripping off of him, and he's swollen and, and just gross looking. And, and one of the aliens just says, you done? And Superman says, I find that girl. I take her home. And the guy says, no, I suppose you didn't. And Superman says that I'm not done. And then we get into round 10, round 11, round 12. And that's the time in round 12 where Mito realizes that Superman's going to win. And in fact, there's this moment here where the two are just kind of, you know, as boxers do in, in all the great Rocky movies where they're both tired and they're kind of leaning on each other. And one of Mido's eyes is about to fall out of his socket. And he says, you should, you should fall. I know you. And Superman says, no, no, I'm sorry, Mido. But if you think I'm falling, I don't think you know a thing about me. And that's when Mito realizes he just, he drops to the, to the floor. He drops to the mat and he says, I ain't quitting, but I'm beat. He's not going down. And eventually I will. All I'm doing right now is skipping some pain. So start the damn count. So Superman gets his information. And then we go into part four or the second part of issue number two. And this ish, this, this story, oh my God, this story almost had me in tears by the end of it because Again, it's not really told in any kind of linear fashion because the boxing match ends and then Superman is floating out in space and he's on the verge of death and an alien spaceship takes him in and they try to heal him. There's a, a guy on the ship who is a healer and he's trying and he's trying to heal Superman and eventually the captain tells him that there's nothing he can do. He says, you, you did your best. Every time costs you life force anymore. And well, you dying to save this, whatever he is, 
we're obviously not going to have that. So he's basically telling this guy, look, every time you heal someone, you use some of your own life force. And it looks like the only way you're going to heal this guy is to expend all of your life force, which would kill you. And as your captain, I'm telling you, we can't do that. We can't allow you to die. We need you on this ship. You are our healer. And we are going to drop this guy off at the next way station. There's, there's nothing else we can do for him. And so the healer goes off, you know, to, to just continue with the rest of his life. He goes home or at least his, his quarters on the ship and his, where his wife and his children are. And they're, they're all so happy to see him. It very much reminds me of back when I had little ones and would come home and the, the kids would just run to me. They were always so happy to see me. And well, this healer, because of what he has already done for Superman, what he's already tried to accomplish, he now is connected to Superman and he starts getting flashes from Superman's past. And he sees all of the things that Superman has done to help people, not just Earth, not just humans, but everybody across the freaking universe and starts to realize that the universe kind of needs Superman. and. Everything that Superman has done has even saved, you know, the galaxy, the universe. And because of that, he and his family are alive and everybody on the ship is alive. They don't know it. They weren't a part of whatever conflict Superman stepped in to put a stop to. But had Superman not been there, then everybody in existence would be dead, you know, stuff like that. And so he consults with his wife and she, you know, she doesn't want him to, to help. Superman because she doesn't want to lose him. And in the end, he gets this flash of whatever it is that happened to Superman that that had him floating in space. It it seems that he found whoever it was that kidnapped Alice and we don't see them, we just see Superman. And this this alien healer is with his family and they're playing on the floor and this scene is acting out in his head and he can hear this this uh this other alien talking to Superman and saying, turn around, go home. Superman says back, where is she? The alien says, Superman, listen, I'm going to kill you if you don't turn around and go home. Superman responds, you listen. All she has is me. So I'm staying and you're talking. And then he gets hit by some kind of beam. And the alien says, you ignorant fool, look at you now. Now who does she have? And then he gets kind of one last flash. Superman holding Lois floating in the air above Metropolis. And Lois says to Superman, you inspire them. And Superman says, no, they inspire me. And with more and more just going through his head, all this stuff that Superman has done, he finally, the, the, the alien healer finally goes into the chamber where Superman is and puts his hand to Superman's head and energy crackles. And then the alien falls to the floor. The last page of this story we see the alien healer's family. The wife uh, has her head in her hands and she's asking why Superman has come out of the healing chamber. He has healed and the alien healer obviously has died because Superman says, as I woke, as your husband died, we shared thoughts. There was a message for the children. Your father wanted you to know all can be lost, but none, none are alone. And then he kneels down and says, I'm sorry. And the children run to him and he just holds them. And that's how that issue ends. And I remember finishing that issue. I mean, we're just two issues in and I just kind of sat back and was just 
I had to, you know, freaking go off and do something else. I just, I had to clear my head from that. That was such a deep emotional issue. And that just that story, that second story, the first story was good. The fight with the boxer, the whole Superman never gives up regardless of what he's up against. And then the second story where this alien dies saving Superman because the alien realizes that the universe needs him, needs Superman more than the universe needs him, this this healer. And I keep saying the alien healer, but Superman's an alien as well. Issue number three has the two stories, uh, The Thousand Deaths of Lois Lane and Just a Little Farther. And as I was reading this one, as I get to the end of the first story, The Thousand Deaths of Lois Lane, I suddenly was struck by a memory. I remember this story being very controversial. I don't know if it was when Superman Giant number seven was released or if when this issue number three was released. But the whole point of this story, the the basic idea here is that Superman, of course, he's out in space. He's millions of miles or hundreds and thousands of light years or whatever. He's he's super far from Earth. And he has set up a scheduled time. I don't know if it's once a day, once a week, whatever, but he is to to call home and talk to Lois. And he is at some kind of alien facility that beams phone calls, for lack of a better word, from from that facility to anywhere in the galaxy. And Superman is basically he's he he he's arrived and he has placed his order, as it were, and they have sent the call to Earth and no one has answered at this point. And so Superman basically just has to wait with everybody else. It's like being at the freaking DMV or something. And as he's waiting, there's a voice over the loudspeaker that is, you know, calling out different names, telling, you know, so-and-so, please go to booth 274, which means that that call has gone through and they're ready to, you know, for this person to go and and talk to whoever they're they're trying to to talk to. And this whole time as Superman's waiting, he is very worried that Lois is not answering because apparently sounds like the way it works is they send a call. If nobody answers, they continue to to keep trying because it's a scheduled time. She's supposed to be there. She's supposed to be home to answer this call, but she's not there. She's not there to answer. So as Superman is waiting in between these scenes of uh, mundane bureaucracy, he is imagining in his head all the horrible things that could possibly have happened to Lois to, to stop her from answering this call. And it's basically just various things that may have killed her that normally if Superman had been there on Earth, he'd be able to save her from. But because he's not there, he just cannot help but imagine her in all these different scenarios. And so that's where the title, The Thousand Deaths of Lois Lane comes from. And then in the end, she does finally answer. And turns out she was uh, she was working on a story and her head was in it. And she forgot, you know, she didn't realize what time it was and blah, blah, blah. And she asks him, you know, I didn't mean to worry you. And he's, of course, he's like, no, I wasn't worried, you know. But the the controversial thing about this story, I remember being, was that people were very upset that all they could see in this story was DC killing Lois Lane over and over and over again. And they were kind of equating it to the the whole women in fridges story trope that Gail Simone 
pointed out to everybody and actually had her own blog called, I think it was just called Women in Fridges and coined the term fridging. And that is when you, uh, as a story device to motivate your hero, typically the male hero, to do what needs to be done and win the fight, you take his love interest, which is typically a female, and you kill her in some horrific fashion. It comes from a, a, an issue of Green Lantern when Kyle Rayner was a Green Lantern and his girlfriend was killed by whoever the villain was of the story and was stuffed into his refrigerator. So that's where the whole women in fridges come, comes from. And it's not something that started in comics. You see it all over the place, but it's, it's, a, it's a very unfortunate story trope where the female character ultimately is created for the sole purpose to die and provide motivation for the hero to finish their journey. And so that's what most people were seeing in this issue. But as, uh, as a lot of others who defended this story, as, you know, as they pointed out, Lois isn't actually dying in this issue. And if you've ever had anyone in your life that you have loved more than life itself, and they were late for whatever you, you were both to meet at the movies, you were, they were supposed to uh, be available that night to take your phone call. You come home from work and they're not home. You can't help but imagine the most horrible things. Where is this person? Why are they not here? Obviously, it's because something horrific has happened to them. I've been there many times, both my wife and my kids. If, you know, I come home from work and they have gone to the store and didn't leave a note. So I don't know where they're at for the, for the 15 or 20 minutes that I'm here alone until they come home to let me know where they were. You know, I was at the store, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. They can go to the dang store whenever they want, but I didn't know where they were and I couldn't help but imagine the most horrific things. I'm, I'm walking around the house looking for signs of forced entry. You know, was this a home invasion and they were kidnapped? You know what? All these, just these over the top, horrible, horrible things. So I could definitely put my place, you know, put myself in Superman's head in this issue. And it's just another, another reason why this story is just such a great story. I mean, here, here is one of the 12 parts of this story and it ultimately has nothing to do with what's going on except for the fact that the reason why Superman Clark is worried about Lois is because he is in space looking for Alice. Otherwise there there's no we don't get any forward movement. But with the exception of the the story with the healer it's probably one of the the best of these 12 stories that that as a whole make up the up in the sky story. So we move on to issue number four. And the first story in that issue is called run. And it's just about Superman in a foot race with the flash. And it was all done for charity. They were going to race each other. People bought tickets to watch. You could purchase the, the pay-per-view to watch it. And all money that was earned went to charity. Lex Luthor, after the race started, said that, uh, you know, told the media that if Superman wins, then he will match whatever, whatever billions of dollars they raise, he, he'll match it. And he does this because with Superman's super hearing and regardless of where Superman is on Earth and what he's doing, 
He is always listening for Lex. He knows Superman's going to hear him. He also knows that Superman's not going to win. Plain and simple, the Flash is just faster than Superman. And so he knows that when Superman loses, it's going to it's going to kill him that all this money that could have gone to these charities isn't going to go to them. I mean, they're, they're still going to get whatever they raised, but there could be this chance to, to have even more to help out these charities. And uh, it's just going to kill him. Well, in the end, he ends up winning against the Flash, which just is an amazing feat because he was behind at one point and is able to pull it out at the end and, and win. Well, this entire story is being told by Alice. She's telling wherever she is, whoever's holding her, she is with uh, other individuals that have also been kidnapped by whoever this is that kidnapped her. And she's telling them all basically that Superman's coming to save her. And when he saves her, he's going to save all of them. And she knows he's coming because that's just who Superman is. And to show them how great Superman is, she tells the story of this race. And so the story is just all narration boxes with splash pages. And one of the charities that this money went to was a, well, it ended up being called the Lex Luthor Center for Displaced Children. And it's where she was for a while. And it was not a nice place until they started really sinking all this money into it from charity. And then the second story in this in this issue is kind of a weird one where Superman is, again, he's wounded in space. I can't remember if it was just like some kind of weird space phenomena, phenomenon that did it, or if it was somebody uh, attacking him. But he ends up on kind of this ice planet. And I don't know if, it's, if this is all in his head, but basically Clark, the human side of him, it has been separated from the Kryptonian side, even though really he's, he's all Kryptonian. So it's more of a, that's why I feel like it's all happening in his head. It's, it's, you know, the, the human aspect of his or, or, or of who he is and the Kryptonian aspect of his, his psychology basically. And, uh, they, they argue at first, but they eventually get off this planet. Issue five has the stories, if not an angel and the offer. And in the first story, Superman goes to Darkseid for information. Darkseid tells him he has information that'll help lead him to Alice. But the only way he will give that information to Superman is if Superman goes out and kills an innocent person. And by the end of the story, we're kind of led to believe that Superman does just that. And then by the sixth issue, the sixth issue, of course, brings everything together. There was actually a, a Sergeant Rock story in one of the issues, and I can't remember which one it was now, but Superman ends up falling through some kind of weird wormhole in space, and he goes back to Earth, back in time to World War II, and he doesn't remember who he is, and he spends some time with uh, Sergeant Rock and Easy Company before he, his memory comes back and he's able to go back to his own time. That was kind of fun. But the last issue is it wraps everything up. We learn we never do discover really the identity of who took Alice because in the end it doesn't matter. It's just some faceless alien despot. Never see them. We hear their voice. They had they had decided to invade Earth 
This is some kind of conquering, you know, alien despot and Earth was on their list to conquer. And so it sent these uh, these these robots to Earth to kidnap Alice, just a random Earthling so that this alien despot could learn about humans and blah, 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 and all that junk. And it designs, you know, millions of these robots that are specially built to be more powerful than Superman. And as Superman finds where Alice is being kept, all of these alien robots have invaded Earth. So we get a lot of scenes of various heroes all around the the globe losing in this battle with these alien robots. Uh, And Superman, who, again, is against something that is more powerful than himself. And yet he ends up overcoming and defeating the, the alien and he rescues Alice. And then we just get this wonderful, the, the last part is just this wonderful story with Superman taking Alice back to Earth and he puts her in a spacesuit and he tells her, you know, it's going to take us a while to get there. And uh, the whole time she's just firing question after question after question at Superman because Superman's her favorite. And it's just a a wonderful, wonderful story because at one point she says, okay, if you and Batman fought, who would win? And Superman says, the Joker. And she says, I'm serious, for real, who would win? Superman says, Batman. She goes, for real? And he says, for real. But she says, aren't you stronger and faster and have laser eyes? And he doesn't? He says, yeah. So she says, so you would win. And he says, no, he would win. And she goes, do you even know what you're saying? And he says, I do. He says, well, how would he win? And he says, I'd let him. She goes, what? Why? So he says, if you knew Batman, you know it'd mean a lot to him. She goes, so? And he says, he's gone through a lot. He deserves some happiness. She says, don't you deserve some happiness? And he says, winning fights doesn't make me happy. She goes, what does? He says, my family, my work, my dog, this. She goes, this. He says, you, Alice, talking to you, seeing that you're good, that makes me happy. And she says, more than beating Batman? And he says, yes a lot more. And I I should back up for a moment because that first story in this issue, uh, one of the great things about it is Superman doesn't really have a lot of dialogue in this story, but he says basically the same thing or the theme, what he's saying is is a theme of, of the same thing over and over and over. And so, for example, he's on this alien world. The despot has him in these super alien chains and he tells the tells Superman that they're made from the strongest metal in the universe. These chains are used to haul stars between galaxies. They are unbreakable. And as such, your effort here is wasted. Do you understand, Superman? Do you know what unbreakable means? And then Superman rips his arms from the chains, destroying them. And he says, no, sir, I do not. And that's basically the theme of this entire story. Here's a bunch of alien robots that I created that were were built to stop you. They're constructed with technology you cannot comprehend. It is stronger than you, faster than you, smarter than you. It can stop you, Superman. And just after Superman destroys one of the robots, he says, no, sir, it cannot. And it just all leads up to Superman finally beating the alien, who, again, we don't see. We don't see the alien except for just pieces of it, its armor and whatnot, after he has, Superman has won. And then, yeah, back to uh, Superman taking Alice home, flying through space, stopping at various places along the way. We learn that the alien that he was going to kill for Darkseid, he didn't actually kill. 
And the whole time, Alice is just, again, pestering him with questions, and he's answering everyone. He just, he doesn't get impatient. He doesn't get annoyed. He's just, uh, he's just doing his thing. He's just Superman. And so they, they get to Earth, and he is dropping her off at this, this facility or, you know, where she was before she was taken by the, you know, put into the home with the foster parents. And as he's saying goodbye to her, he asks her no more questions. She says, did you think there'd be more? And he says, you always surprise me. And she says, I bet you thought I'd ask you why, why you went all up in the sky, why you left everything behind to save me. But that's a stupid question. I'm not going to ask it because I already know why. He says, you do? And she goes, yeah, it's not like hard. It's just you're Superman. And uh, they're hugging. And that's the end. And I guess that brings me to where I have to answer the question. Is this the perfect Superman story? And all right, I, honestly, I don't know how to answer that because it's it's damn near perfect. I don't really want to call it perfect because as much as I liked it and as much as I feel like this may be one of the single greatest Superman stories I've ever read, I want to believe that there's still better Superman stories out there. I haven't run into them yet. As of right now, this may be the top number one. And by that definition alone, I guess you could consider it perfect. But I don't know that you can have such a thing as a perfect story. Uh, but it's, gosh darn it, it's darn close. Now, I urge you, if you like Superman and you haven't read this, even though I just went through everything that happens in the story, read it. Just read it. Because despite me telling you what happened, you have to experience it. There's nothing in this story that knowing what's going to happen, it, it's, it's not going to diminish your enjoyment of the story. This is not one of these stories that you, you, you have to go in without knowing anything about it because there's a huge spoiler. And if you're spoiled beforehand, it's going to ruin the story. No, this is one of those stories that you could read over and over and over again, and you'll probably enjoy it just as much every single time. So yeah, I, I told you everything that's going to happen, but that doesn't matter because you're still you're still going to get out of this story what you are supposed to get out of it. And that is the theme that Superman will overcome any obstacle, will go above and beyond and and uh, do more than he should be capable of doing to help people. That's all. His only motivation is to help people and everything he did just to bring back one little girl from space. It was just, it was just an amazing story. And so, yeah, you really should read it. It's on DC Infinite Universe. Go read it if you have that. And if you do, you have no excuse. Go read it. Unless you just hate Superman. And if that's the case, why are you listening to this episode? Yeah. Anyway, um, like I said at the beginning of the, the episode, I had a couple other things to talk about. First of all, I wanted to tell you about a little place online known as Spoutable. S-P-O-U-T-I-B-L-E, spoutable.com. This is a Twitter alternative. This is right now, it's a, it's a very wonderful place. If you um, are just trying to get away from all the MAGA trolls that are out there, all of the little Elon Muskie boys and, and, and Muskie girls and Trumpettes and Trumpers that are all over Twitter right now, just filling your feed full of complete bullshit, Spoutable is where you want to be. I'm over there under at Stephen or else. Come find me and follow me. I'll follow you back. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger over there. There were some issues when it first launched because, of course, nobody. I, I just I really don't care who you are or 
how much money or how much effort or how much planning you put into launching a website, you're never, nobody ever seems to be repaired for the traffic. And so the, the server really kind of, the servers had a really hard time keeping up with everybody that, that, uh, started, started using the place. And that was the, they had, uh, the guy who created it, whose name I, I can't remember off the top of my head. He actually had sent out, you know, Hey, I'm doing this thing. If you want to be a part of it, you know, register with your email address. I want to get, uh, I don't know, it was like 50,000 people signed up before I, you know, really commit to this. And, uh, he ended up getting more than that. So when it was ready, he opened it up just to those of us who had signed up originally. And then we got to play in it, you know, in, in this little sandbox for about a week. And then he opened it up to the public and, um, comic book people are slowly coming over. Uh, but so far, all of us that have been there for a while, we just, we love it. It's, it's, it's a great alternative to Twitter. If you're tired of all the bullshit on Twitter, spoutable is where you want to be. And it keeps going. I mean, if it keeps going the way it's going, I may just end up no longer being over on Twitter. I don't know. Unfortunately, Twitter is one of those things that if you have a podcast like I do, it's, you know, you, you just, you feel this need to go post about your episodes everywhere that can be posted because you have to market yourself. And I, I hate that, but spoutable.com, go check it out. They don't have an app yet. It's, it's a, it's a web-based, you know, you can access it from your desktop or, or from your phone, but it's, it's all, it's through a browser. It is uh, designed so that if, you know, if you're looking at it through a browser on your phone, it'll fit your screen. So it's, it's adaptable, whatever you call that. Um, I, uh, beyond that, um, just a couple of quick things about TV. First of all, I just recently finished probably my fifth, possibly sixth time through 30 Rock on Hulu. And I love that show. Liz Lemon has to be one of my absolute most favorite television characters in the history of television. You take a hot dog, stuff it with some jack cheese, fold it in a pizza. You got cheesy blasters. And then all the kids say, thanks, Meat Cat. And then Meat Cat flies away on his um, skateboard. But despite having watched the entire series a number of times before, I ran across something this time that I never noticed before. It just flew over my head each and every time. And when I picked up on it this time, I just couldn't stop laughing, except of course I could, otherwise I'd still be laughing. But Liz has a love interest early on in the show played by Jason Sudeikis. And the guy's name is Floyd. He uh, is a recovering alcoholic. He ends up moving to Cleveland, comes back a couple of times, but you know, obviously they don't end up together. But there is a moment after he moves to Cleveland where he calls the studio to talk to Liz. And the phone rings on the page desk and Kenneth the page answers and he hands the phone to Liz and he says, uh, it's Mr. DeBarber. And every single time I heard that line up until this time, it just, I didn't, didn't even hit me. And then this time I went, hold on a second, DeBarber, his name is Floyd DeBarber, as in Floyd the Barber from the Andy Griffith show. That is, that's some great writing. It's such a stupid joke, but they don't throw it in your face. I believe that's the only time I, I may be wrong because again, it took me five, six times for me to even pick up on the fact that his last name was Da Barber, D-A-B-A-R-B-E-R. -E but as far as I know, that's the only time they mention it. So they don't throw it at you. They don't stick it in your face and go, look what we did. Isn't that clever? Wink, wink. 
And I just, I found that so delightful. And uh, I bet this time next year, I'll be watching it all over again. And there's a, a I've already played the clip, but the, the scene where she's singing the song from the Cheesy Blasters commercial, you, you, if, if you've not seen her do that, you have to see it because the song itself is funny. But she does a little air guitar thing while she's singing it, which makes it even funny. Uh, beyond that, I checked out the new Night Court series, the, the, the new version that's out there on uh, Peacock, I think. It's all right. I watched the first couple episodes. I'm not in any hurry to, to watch anymore, but I'm sure I will eventually. But it made me want to watch the original show. And then I found out that the, the, all the episodes of the original are on Freebie, which we get it through Amazon Prime. I, I don't know where else you can get it. I don't know if it's strictly an Amazon Prime type of, type of thing, but it's, uh, it's all there, but there are ads. I think there's at least two ad breaks per episode, but I'm really enjoying going back through that. I'm still in season one, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that. So that was a, a show that I have a list of shows that, you know, sitcoms from back in the day that I really wanted to watch again that are not available anywhere. And that was one of them. So now that's available. New Heart was another one that is also on Amazon Prime. So that's going to be next. And then the Drew Carey show, which as far as I know, it's nowhere. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the music that they put in a lot of the episodes. You know, there was a time when nobody thought about, you know, nobody knew that these shows would go out on DVD, much less streaming. And so getting the rights to the music in perpetuity just wasn't something that occurred to folks back then. And that's why some of these shows like WKRP. I think you can get the first season out there now, but a lot of the music on it has been replaced by generic music created for the show. And it, 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 one of my favorite shows of all time, but it's really hard for me to watch it now because, you know, I know that most of the music that I'm listening to there is not, you know, they, they actually had real music from the time. So yeah, I don't know. That's, that's really about all I got to say, folks. That's my episode. We'll get back to Madman next week. I just, I, I really wanted to talk about Superman up in the sky because it's just not all that often lately that I read a book or a series or in this case, six issues that affects me the way that that one did. And I had to talk about it. So that's why we're doing that this week, folks. But again, next week, we're going to continue on with Madman and we'll talk about Nexus meets Madman issue number one. Uh, and there were no subsequent issues of that it's just a crossover with madman and nexus and so be here for that until then folks my name is steven and i'm just another fanboy be nice to each other the just another fanboy podcast is a steven or else production questions and comments can be directed to just another fanboy at gmail.com you can find me on twitter and instagram by searching for at Stephen or else, and then come join in on all the fun at the Just Another Fanboy message boards at forum.justanotherfanboy.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr, and in return, I am going to do my very best to get you and your fellow patrons episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job. Mm.
Oh.